My name's Sarah McCormack. My name is Brian Fury. My name is Nicola Duncan. My name is Zach Hanna. My name is Mark Ryan. I'm a mountain runner. 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 Hi, my name is Harriet and I'm a mountain runner. You're listening to Trail Running Ireland. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Time for our feature interview this week and today we have a world mountain running champion and it's an Irish mountain running champion, the great John Lenehan. John won the world mountain running championships in Zermatt in Switzerland in an epic race and battle against local home favourites in 1991. He's the only Irish runner to claim that world title and not only was John a world champion in mountain running, he ran incredible times on the track and on the road as well. 13.55 for 5,000 metres 29.36 for 10,000 metres and all before the age of 22 before he moved onto the roads where he won the Irish title twice over the half marathon distance and setting a championship record to boot in 1986 that still stands today 63 minutes and 15 seconds for the half marathon this is an interview that I've been looking forward to for a very long time so without further ado here's the world champ John Lennon. John, you're very welcome to the Trail Running Ireland podcast. It's an absolute privilege to have you on the show. Good evening, Owen. It's uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be on. So thank you very much for having me on. No, a pleasure, John. And I have to say thank you for installing Zoom on your computer or phone because you're one of the few lucky people that haven't had to um, do a Zoom call all year. So uh, you've escaped well on that one, John. Yeah, I live a quite a simple life up here in the mountains, so in my farm. So, um, yeah, Zoom has not been an issue um, all along, anyhow, until now. I thought before we started our own interview today, um, I thought we could maybe dedicate our, our interview today to a fellow Kerry athlete, um, a great rival of yours back in the day, and I'm sure a good friend as well, in Jerry Kiernan, who the two of us just found out today that um, he passed away all too soon yesterday. So um, I'm sure you'd, you'd maybe like to say a few words about some of your amazing battles that you had with Jerry on the roads back in the day. Yeah, firstly, I want to say it was absolutely shocking news when I heard it today. I think I must have had about 20 phone calls, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, in, in, in the space of, of about five minutes, uh, everybody wanting to contact me um, and let me know the, the, the terrible news. Um, I'm still in disbelief. Um, Jerry and myself were great competitors. We had many a hard battle um, and he always won them. I finished second him on numerous occasions but I could never get the better of him. He was one tough competitor. Um, I trained for a a little while in San Diego with Jerry. Um, I was based over there for a few months and we had some good times over there in San Diego, uh, training on the beach over there. Um, So he was a good friend. He was a tough competitor and uh, it's going to take a while to get, get our heads around that he's actually gone. It's, 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 it's unbelievable, unbelievable. And John, I just did a, a quick Google search this afternoon for your name and Jay's name together. And this little um, sequence came up. Um, I'll give you just a quote from a race report back in the day. It said, um, 
Jerry Kiernan maintained his unbeaten sequence in road races in Cork when recording the exceptionally fast time of 47 minutes, 9 seconds in the belly 10 mile over a difficult 10 mile course. He finished 43 seconds ahead of John Lennon. So, John, one of the many battles you had there in, in Bell Cooley. Yes, indeed. If I remember correctly, I think that was the day that uh, Neil Cusack finished third the same day. Um, I remember that occasion. And uh, yes, as I say, it was one of many days when I saw the back of Jerry Kiernan. Yeah, and there's a lovely photograph of the three of you, John, that I think um, you saw this afternoon as well, uh, of the three of you that day. And um, it looks like it was a, a lovely moment between three superb athletes and uh, a nice memory for you. I, I know that photo because I put it on Facebook actually some time back for something or other. And uh, I think somebody put up a comment. Uh, we looked like uh, three rock stars with the heads of hairs rather than yeah. three athletes. I know. And uh, he, he was a coach of mine, John, for a season as well. He was a brilliant coach. He, he helped me on the track. Um, and I remember I was a newbie in the group. And one day I was the only one there on a Sunday morning in UCD. And Jerry came out, even though I was the only one of the group available that day for a session. He, he came out and he encouraged me on for a couple of 400 meter sessions and then a couple of weeks later John he, he gave me the boot from that training group because I decided to, to hit the mountains um, but despite kicking me out of the training group um, there was never a bad word said and uh, you know it, it was great because sometimes you can have you know disagreements or faults with code it can go but he just told me where to go and that was it and uh, and we were still friends afterwards so um, a, a lovely memory there as well for you. yeah he had he had a good reputation as being a very good and a very influential coach and and very motivational um i would never have never worked with him in that in that sense but uh, the reports i heard was that yes he was he was very motivational he was. He was great. Um, John, before we go down memory lane and we chat about your, your own most famous win when an Irish man was, was champion of the world in the mountains, I just wanted to maybe begin our own interview this evening about what role running has played in your own life, John, since those glorious competitive days of the 80s and 90s and I know you went on to run in the in the 2000s as well you are still winning races and um, over the last maybe five ten years are you still training are you still in contact with the mountains well I set up a walking club or I was very much part of setting up a walking club in my own area here um, so we around the mountains most weekends outside of COVID, of course, at the moment, but uh, outside of all that, yeah, we've been on the mountains. I'm into the hiking there. I have gone abroad a good bit on the mountains and uh, went to Everest Base Camp there a couple of years back. So I'm very much connected with the mountains all the time. I, I don't run them anymore. Um, I, simply, I can't. I had a hip replaced, and uh, so I can't run the mountains. I miss them big time. Yeah. But look, it's a it's a nice transition that at least I can still get out and take groups with me on the mountains. And I, I enjoy it from my own eyes. I enjoy it from looking at it through their eyes, people who have never been on a mountain before. 
it's probably an amazing thing. It's probably one of the nicest things you can do is take new people on the mountains, take them up Karen Tool or whatever, and, and see it through their eyes and see the, the excitement they get out of it. So I'm, I'm still enjoying the mountains in that sense. Now, it's great to hear, John, because I'm sure a lot of athletes, a lot of elite athletes, they maybe struggle when they get to the end of their career and they miss their endorphins. And for, uh, for someone like yourself who was in the mountains competing and training and running all the time, um, I'm sure you're delighted that you can still get out and, as you said, um, contribute to the to the mountain running community and uh, and get up the mountains and still go exploring and still go on adventures. Absolutely. But, you know, I have I have been where you said I have been there, you know, when I retired from running. Um, there was um, a phase in my life when it was very, very tough for me and very ex- extremely difficult to deal with. Um, missing the hype of running, uh, missing that adrenaline buzz. And, uh, you know, I was giving up something that I had been doing, I suppose, for 30 odd years uh, without a break. And I did find it very, very difficult to adjust uh, to life without being competing, to life without getting those phone calls. Will you run a race here? Will you run a race there? Um, I miss that big time. And uh, yes, it's a very, very difficult thing. And I think a lot of people don't understand how difficult it is for sports people to settle into, I suppose, normal life um, after being uh, competitive in, in, in the world of sport for so many years. Sure. And I know, John, the, your, your world championship win that we'll talk about now, that was in 1991. But I saw that you still won the Karen Tuchel race in 2009. So you still managed to keep on competing and winning for another, what, eight, 18 odd years after that world championship win. Was the body still able to keep going on into the mid 2000s? Or, or was it, were you, were you struggling at that stage or were you hanging on for dear life to get as much out of the legs as you could? I think your last sentence there sums it up. I was, I was hanging in for dear life. Little niggles were creeping in. You know, uh, I was starting to run into little more, more problems injury-wise. Um, it was also more difficult to keep the head focused uh, at that stage of my career. Um, so I was just trying to hang in there. I suppose my love for the mountains is what kept me going. My love for running in general kept me going, you know. Yeah. But um, I, I did, I won Karen Tool on, on my 50th year when I'd be 50. And I think, you know, I think at that stage, I kind of felt that it was probably a good time to bow out from, from racing up and down. Yeah. And John, what have you taught? of the explosion in in say trail running and trail running races especially over the last 10 years since maybe around 2009 2010 when you have all these massive big races like utmb and all the big ultra trail world series that are all around the world and all corners of the globe at the minute it's a very different mountain running landscape nowadays to maybe the 1980s and the 1990s is there any part of you that that wishes that you could still race in a utmb today or what do you think of the current landscape of mountain and trail running oh i absolutely love it and i would i would love to be able to buy into it um i mean i i love i love 
I suppose I love all types of running, but for me, there's something about off-road running, trail running, mountains. Um, it kind of gives me that extra little bit of adrenaline. It gives me that extra bit of kick. I just love that aspect of it. I love that type of landscape. I would love to be have had the opportunity to do that type of trail running in my day. Um, yeah. It was it was more uh, rugged mountain racing that was there. If you did road if you did road running, you'd cross country and you had you know, pure mountain racing quite often over very rough terrain. Um, but yeah, I think it's great to see the trail running there. It's bridging the gap between cross country runners and mountain runners for people who want to get something off road, but maybe don't want to take on the sheer ruggedness of mountain racing. I think it's a little bridge there. I love it. I think it's a great thing. And I think it's fantastic to see so many people doing it. And I certainly, if I was competing today, would definitely be, be, be buying into it. Sure. And you have a fantastic trail running race down very close to you, the Kerry Way Ultra, um, which thankfully got to go ahead there just a couple of months ago. Um, do, do you follow that, John? I do indeed. I have been I have been stewarding at that race every year since it started. Um, I do the I do the graveyard shift, the yeah. night shift down in Sneem and uh, up near Stake Fort. I, I pitch my tent there and uh, I stay there through the night until until daylight and um, try and encourage the runners on it's a, it's a very lonely section of the Kerry Way and uh, I was asked by the organizer Eileen Daly at one stage would I the first year would I go up to that area and just be there as, as a bit of security and uh, she has sent me back to that position every year since and, and I love it there's a great atmosphere this year we took along a stereo and we set up the stereo so as the runners come to 12 and 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning, they had music blaring on the side of the mountain for them as they came through. So that was a little surprise for them, I think. So, yeah, I've been part of that since it started. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. And John, I know you were a little bit reluctant to come on the, the show when, when I approached you during the week. And, you know, you were saying, Asher Owen, everybody's heard my story at this stage. But I think just probably a whole new generation of, of trail runners, as we've been talking about, that have maybe come into the sport over the last four or five years that, that maybe don't know that Ireland had a world champion mountain runner in 1991. Um, it was a brilliant, brilliant day, John. And, and you know, I'm sure you've been asked lots of times, but I'd love to hear it. And the, the listeners, I'm sure, would love to hear it too. But John, what are your standout memories from that fantastic day in, in 1991 when, you became world champion in Zermatt in Switzerland. Yes, I suppose, as you said, they were on. I was a little reluctant because I felt, you know, the story has been told so often. I didn't want to be <laughs> boring your audience with it. But, um, yeah, look, um, that was a day that changed my life forever, you know, um, to, even to this current day. Um, I suppose... In 1990, I had competed in Austria and I had my worst performance at the Worlds when I collapsed on the course and finished up in the medical tent. Um, and that was a very disappointing time for me because I had come fourth on previous occasion to that. I had fourth and fifth and I think sixth or something, you know, I'd been up there. Um, after that race in 1990 in Austria, I was very, very down. I was saying I was never again going to compete at international level. I felt that I had kind of missed my opportunity of being on the podium. And that's the one thing I had hoped for a long time was to get on that podium at the world event, be it gold, yeah. silver or bronze, just to get on the podium. Um, when, when I 
I suppose, took some time to get my mind and my head right after Austria. But slowly but surely, I fought back in 91, and I felt I didn't want to end my mountain running career with the memories of Austria, my international mountain running career, anyhow, uh, with the memories of Austria. So um, I suppose I went to news. I went. I, I suppose I went to Zermatt in 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 ninety um, one to prove a point, maybe to myself as much as anybody else, um, that I was that I was better than than my my performance in Austria. Um, and I suppose the way look, I went I went out to Switzerland. Um, I, I loved the course. I walked the course a couple of days before it. It was a two lap course. It was a type of course that suited my type of running. Um, steep uphills have suited my road racing uh, speed, you know. And, um, you know, I, I think just everything just fell right for me that particular year. Um, it, was, it was on the first lap around, I was fairly well down the field, but walked my way up coming down that mountain that I was being told by Irish, English, Scottish, the Welsh, that were all, all the home countries were really behind me telling me how I was fixed, how far I was ahead. Um, with the result that when I hit the, the streets of Zermatt, um, I had quite a substantial lead of about 30 seconds. And, and I knew at that stage that there was no way I was going to be caught. Uh, it was a glorious moment for me, those last few minutes running through the town of Zermatt, because I could I could absorb, absorb the atmosphere uh, uh, knowing that, that I had this race won. And... Uh, as they say, you know, the, the rest the rest is history. It was, it was a fabulous, fabulous uh, occasion for me. And I think for Douglas Barry, who was team manager and had done so much for Irish mountain running, it was a great reward for him as well, you know. And I'm just looking at the results list here, John, in front of me. And you were up against tough local runners as well. Um, there was two local Swiss runners trying to track you down that day, uh, Marius Hassler and Woody Schock. Um, and it's absolutely brilliant to see that, obviously, yourself in first, but also Robbie Bryson, also on the Irish team, was fourth that day as well. So in the top five, you've got three Swiss local home runners, but then we've got the two Irish men there as well. That's correct, yeah. And I suppose Woody was uh, maybe a lot of the favorite, locals' favourite there because he had previously won the, the World Junior title, you know. Uh, so he was a young lad coming to with home home advantage. Um, Robbie's performance in fourth, I suppose, was... It was a fabulous. It was a fabulous achievement, and I often felt sorry for Robbie because, you know, I suppose the fact that I won it on that occasion, uh, it took from Robbie's position from his fourth overall, and a lot of people didn't maybe appreciate his performance. But look, you know, Robbie came back and, and probably should have won the worlds. Uh, maybe it was the following year or two years later. I'm not sure. He came back and he finished fourth again, despite being leading um, at, at, at closing stages of the race. He was leading. And on the team that day, there was also Tommy Payne and Eamon McMahon, and he's got a fantastic team bronze. As And as far as I know, John, that's the only um, male team medal that Ireland has got in the World Mountain Championships. I, I don't think there's been any other. So another historical result that day as well on the team side. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think it was the only it was the only time, I think, as far as I know, that we've got that team in the, in the men's senior event. Um, you know, but that was a very solid team that time. And, and, you know, I suppose you look back on that and the memories of that day, but I think the proudest moment of all that on, I think had to be 
standing on the podium and watching the uh, the Irish flag, the tricolour being raised and listening to the national anthem being played. That was really a goose-bumping moment, I think, really. And then getting the team up there for the bronze. Yeah. Just with the icing on the cake, really. Yeah. Do you still have the, the medal, John, and the singlet that you wore that day? Are they all safely guarded away at home? Well, they're, I don't know about safely guarded, but I'm, they're here. They are here. Yeah, I would, I would often have had to produce the medals maybe to schools or whatever like that. So at least I know exactly where they are to put my hands in them at a, at a moment's notice, for be it for photos or whatever. So, yeah, they're, they're hard to come by. So we're, uh, we're quite proud of them. And I'm sure there's great memories of um, the homecoming as well, um, back in Castle Island, uh, back in the day. And there must have been some party that night. Or, or what, what was the, the reaction back home, John? Because I'm sure mountain running, like now, pr- probably still a minority sport. You had, of course, Jack Charlton and the boys in green who are dominating the sports pages back then, just after a year after the Italian 90. Did, did you get much reaction from, from the media back home? I did indeed. Um, I was probably quite surprised at the, um, the media coverage I got back here. Um, you mentioned the homecoming. I suppose the homecoming was a little story for it because when I arrived into Dublin, I decided to head across the Strand Hill in Sligo where I had won the Warriors race on a number of occasions. And they had put on a reception for me in Strand Hill so I headed over there and uh, I spent a couple of days there. I went around to the schools and it was only when I traveled back to Kerry that I found out they had bonfires and everything set up for me for when I arrived into Dublin, expecting me home, uh, coming to straight home to Kerry from Dublin. So there was supposed there was a bit of disappointing disappointment for my home fans uh, after that. But um but yeah, to, to answer your question there, uh, the local papers here, the national papers, they all took, in fairness, they all took a great interest in the event and, and uh, gave me great publicity indeed for it, you know. And John, maybe for our listeners that are listening who, who, who want to be as good as they can be on mountain races, trail running races, maybe could, could we talk about your journey to becoming a, a world mountain running champion? And what tips and what advice you can give to people listening about that journey? Because as you were saying, you weren't running on the mountains every day. You weren't doing all your sessions on the mountains. That you had a very good road running career before that. So maybe could you talk to us about your your training and the years building up to that and what type of training you were doing? Okay, I suppose I, I took up athletics quite late in life. I took up athletics at the age of 17. Um, and my first coach was a chap called Pat Griffin, who was a great man for uh, track racing and that. So I suppose in those early years, I concentrated on, on a bit on the track and, you know, uh, the 5,000 metres. Um, I got a PB of 13.55 for the 5,000 on the track. And that got me on the panel for the Irish training panel for the Olympics for 84 um, I didn't make the final team for the Olympics, but um, I was, you know, I was only 21 years of age or whatever, and I was running you know, 1355, which was it was a good it was a good base to have, you know. Um, I suppose I turned to road and cross country after that. Um, got on the Irish team, um, made the world cross country team. Um, I suppose I was probably stronger on the road. The half marathon would have been my strong event. Um, I won the Irish half marathon title twice, uh, 
with it, my PB was 63.15 for the half marathon. I think it's still an, I think it's still the championship record in Ireland. It was up to a couple of years ago anyway. Incredible I think time. it still is. Um, so, you know, um, then I had a couple of 47s for the 10 milers. Um, I think a couple of them was even behind Jerry Kiernan indeed. And, you know, and um, I suppose all of that eventually, uh, I came to the situation where I went to the Isle of Man, uh, which was the turning point, I suppose, of my career then. Uh, I went to the Isle of Man for a, an athletics festival over there. And um, I finished third in the road race in, uh, in Douglas in the Isle of Man on Good Friday. Uh, I went out in the mountain race next day up Peel Mountain and against the same opposition, I won it. I won it very easily. You know, and uh, that gave me, I suppose, food for thought. And then uh, on, the, on Easter Sunday, I was involved in the three-mile relay race and I finished third. The mountain running kicked off. Um, my next stepping stone after that, there was a race up in Strand Hill in Sligo, which had a thousand pounds at the time for the, the winner. And it was yeah. called the Warriors Race. And um, Kenny Stewart was the world mountain running champion at the time. So Kenny was uh, coming over for that race. But um, I actually ended up beating Kenny on the night and winning that race and winning, winning the thousand pounds. So I think that really got me hooked into mountain running then. And slowly but surely, I suppose, I, I drifted more towards mountain running than road racing after that, even though I still kept the road racing going. Um, but I suppose that's really how I got into the, uh, the sport of mountain running. But um, I suppose for me, I look, you know, a lot of people have asked me over the years, my longevity in the sport. I think my longevity in the sport was the fact that I enjoyed my sport so much. I enjoyed running. Going out training was not a chore for me. Um, I always made sure that my sessions were, that I enjoyed training. If I didn't enjoy what I was doing, I changed it. I made, I did some changes that would make it interesting. And I suppose the other thing I tried to do in my career was we all have to make maybe some sacrifices for to have that kind of success. But I tried to keep those sacrifices to the minimum because I think if you make too big a sacrifice, you lose the enjoyment of your sport. And um, I think I think that word enjoyment and sport is they're very important words to remember for those of us, for people who want to be successful in, in, in any sport. Yeah. John, what do you think it was that that made you so good on the mountains? Because, you know, there was there would have been a lot of people running 100 miles week plus in training, you know, lots of people around that time that that were running incredible half marathon and marathon times. But not everybody went on to become a world champion in the mountains. Was it something natural that you had or was it just that? You know, as a as a young boy in Kerry, you were out in the mountains, out in the reeks all the time. I know you worked very hard on the farm as well, so you must have had natural great strength from that. What was there anything different you were doing in training that made you so good well, in the mountains? You could probably maybe go back to before my training career even took off. I think really to see what maybe what might have influenced me in, uh, into the mountains or maybe given me that uh, that that style of running the suited mountain running I suppose like you said I grew up in very much in a, in a mountainous area here in the Stax Mountains in North Kerry and um, as a young lad growing up in this area um, I would be maybe at the age of six and seven years of age going out in the mountains on the sun on the Sundays with the neighbors here who would be into hunting would have been a big time big thing in that era and I growing up in this area and um, I would have been going out with them and spending hours and hours trekking across the mountains on Sundays on the hunts with them. 
Um, so that would have given me the kind of base, I suppose, for a start. The other thing was that, you know, in the area I was in, I was either going uphill or I was going down. There was very little flat in, in, in where I live on the mountainside uh, here in North Kerry. And um, I suppose that would have given me a kind of a, a, a good base for, for, the, uh, for the sport of mountain running. And I suppose, you know, when I took up the running and took, cross, took up cross-country running, uh, I suppose John Tracy would have been a big hero of mine because from his win in Glasgow, that really set me interested in running. When John won the World Cross Country in Glasgow, that really influenced, influenced me. But um, it's interesting that years later, when John did the foreword on, on my book, uh, he described meeting me and he described me as almost not tame. And um, I, can, I can see where that was coming from with my upbringing and, and the background I had here in, in, the, in, in the mountains of Kerry. Apart from that famous win, John, when he became world champion, what would you say is your other maybe favourite racing memory that you have? Would, would it have been on the track, on the road, um, cross country? I know you have a very special relationship with the Karen Tuchel race, as we said, but maybe off the mountains, what are, what are your best memories? Yeah, well, you say Karen Tuchel would, of course, but um, winning Snowden, the Snowden mountain race would, of course, be very close to the win to the world uh, event for me, uh, winning Snowden was being the first Irish man to win that race meant a lot to me. Um, off the road, um, I suppose. Look, is is the national half marathon victories? I think would have to be uh, my off the road uh, favorite races or favorite memories. Uh, it's nice to win an Irish title, and um, yeah, I think I think the national half marathon probably in Rathcool. Uh, will will be my favourite uh, road racing road racing memory. There's a lot of people now, John, of course, that can't get out to the mountains because of the five k limit and so on, and might be you know missing the mountains and maybe have a race in mind for later on in the summertime or later on this year, and they want to do well or whatever. But from from what I can see from your own training, that as we said, you weren't up the mountains every day. So for the people listening, what advice, John, could you give them that they can't get to the mountains at the moment, that, it, that it's okay, I think, that once they just keep on going on the roads, keep their aerobic base work going, add in a couple of sessions, that once they do get to the mountains in a couple of weeks, in a couple of months' time, the, the body will respond, that we don't need to be running on the mountains every day to be good at running on the mountains. Oh, absolutely. That's 100%. Yeah, uh, I agree totally with you on that. I mean, when I won my first Karen Tool race, I, I, I won that and, and it, it was the record time, you know, and um, that was done completely off of road, road running and uh, some cross country running. I hadn't been on the hills at all, other than here locally, uh, trekking around my hose. The, the any year that I concentrated doing too much running on the mountains as part of my training, my performance actually dropped. I think it was a type of maybe a little bit muscle bound or something from all the hills. The years I got the best results was where I had variety in my training, putting in track sessions, um, putting in tempo runs on the road, um, and minimizing my runs on the mountain to uh, maybe maybe once a week even, you know. Yeah. And I saw you, John, say as well that, I mean, you, you, you weren't 
too fussy about your diet back then either. I mean, nowadays we can all get so obsessed with eating the right foods and, and you know, all the rest. But your diet was just a bit of everything. I think that, that you said that, you know, once you're running so much and burning off so much calories that your body actually needs sometimes just pure carbohydrates and you were never too fussy about it. Absolutely not. Uh, again, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier on about not having to make too big a sacrifices. Otherwise, you'll lose the enjoyment of your sport. It'll become a chore. I just, I eat a norm. I just eat normal food. I eat pretty well everything, to tell you the truth. I wasn't into the science of sport and it wasn't a big thing in my time anyway. Um, you know, taking your heart rate and, and, and all that goes with it. I know I've spoke to people in recent times and they tell me that I could have been 10% better if I had focused on a combination of diet and the science of sport. But if that is true, then I would have been running 12 minutes and 30 for 5K and I'd have been running 56 minutes for half marathon. So I, I don't think there was a 10% improvement in me uh, had I gone that down that road of diet and, and, um, and science of sport, you know. Uh, but look, I loved what I was doing. There was a lot of thought put into my training programs and um, it wasn't just something that you just went out and ran every day. It was planned, uh, a balance of training. Um, so I suppose in a way that was that was our science of sport in, in that era, you know, but that's that's what everybody was really doing at that time, you know. And I saw, John, as well, I just read that you were actually offered a, a three-year contract by Adidas at the time and that you expressed maybe a little bit of regret that you didn't take it up, but you got plenty of fulfillment in the sport in other ways. I did indeed. Yeah, I got a three-year uh, contract to America uh, to run full-time uh, with uh, Team Adidas over there under, under Craig Virgin, who's the former world cross-country champion. Um, yeah, it was a hard call. It was a hard call, to tell you the truth, at the time. But looking back on it, you look, you know, sometimes things happen for a reason. You know, I ended up winning a world mountain running title that I might not have got had I gone down that road. Um, you know, a lot of top athletes have gone to America. A lot of fine athletes have come back burnt out from uh, the American running in full time in America. So, look, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, at the time, maybe I had some regrets, but looking back on it now, I think I'm quite happy uh, the road that uh, that my sport took me. And look, I, I was doing what I enjoyed and, and I, I was enjoying the mountains. And it's something that I that I always have a love for, you know, for that type of landscape. Yeah. Were you ever tempted to do any coaching, John? Because I'm sure people ask you for advice all the time. Have you ever coached or did you ever think about doing it? I suppose I often thought about doing it. I have on numerous occasions met young athletes starting out, we'll say late teens or early 20s starting out and I sat down and had a good talk with them about running and give them my thoughts and on tips on, on training. Um, I haven't gone down the road of coaching anybody. Um, I suppose I'm a bit reluctant to do that now because I see the way sport has gone so scientific um, that I almost feel that... Um, I wouldn't be up to up to doing what what they, what they do with training nowadays. Um, I had my way of doing it. Times have moved on, um, but I think like you know when I talk to young athletes, I, I try to explain to them that a lot of it is mental as well. A lot of it is your psychology. You have to believe in yourself, and uh, you have to have that drive to get out and train on on the bad winter days. Um, and and a lot of it a lot of it is. I mean I've, I've said it before in interviews. I think I've often lined up in races with athletes who were better than me. 
um, and I've ended up beating them. And I think that's a kind of an inner strength and a mentality. And I suppose really, look, that doesn't change. You know, that's the same today as it was as, as it was in, in my era, you know. Yeah. Well, well, John, we've only touched on the surface today um, about that incredible career you have. And thanks very much for, for joining us. And I know over the last 10 years when I've been on Irish teams and on any trip, you, your name was always whispered, always mentioned. You, you, you were a great inspiration and still are, of course, a great inspiration to all the runners out there. And um I'm looking forward to meeting you in person, John, and we haven't met each other yet. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see each other, maybe down in Kerry one day or sure. You never know. We we might get you over at one of these um, big UTMB races or something like that and have you flying the Irish flag. It'd be be, be great to to meet you one day, John. Please God, only will happen. And I'm looking forward to it very much indeed. John, thanks a million for your time and um, I'm sure everybody enjoyed hearing about the time when, when an Irish man was the best mountain runner in the world. John, thanks a million. Thanks a lot. Thanks a There you have it, a true gent there, and hopefully John's inspiring story and words will help keep you going over the course of this week and beyond. And before we go, guys, one of our aims this year is to involve you, the listeners, as much as possible. So with this in mind, we'd love to hear about any special training or race you do between podcasts with our new podium run listener feature for the trail running ireland podcast if you smashed it rate it gold and send us a brief description and photo if you can and we'll read it out on air and share on our social media if it went really well but still a few things that can be improved rate it silver and if you're on the right track it's a good run and you're looking forward to getting even better next time rate it bronze that's all just the guidance of course you know yourself guys what merits a gold silver or bronze run for you we're dying to hear from you and looking forward to hearing how Ireland's trail and mountain runners are doing at the moment. You can direct message us or tell us about it in the comment section across our social media channels. So that's our podium run, guys. And before I go, please check out our Patreon page too as well if you get a chance where you can make a small contribution to help keep us going over the year. Thanks, guys, for your support of the show. Thanks for listening in. Good luck with your training over the next couple of days. Get your running gear on. Let's go. Turn.